0: Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of Football and Grits, the Athletics SEC Football podcast. It's Thursday, and that means I'm your host, David Ubbin, here with Mitch Light, my co-host, the Athletics, uh, one of our many stellar college football editors. Uh, Mitch, you were in an inquisitive
2: mood today. Well, I'm always in an inquisitive mood.
1: <laughs> that makes you an intrepid reporter as well.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes. I wanted to find. I wanted to uh, throw some some quick hitting questions about the SEC at David Ubben a man who's been around the league and just just quick dot you can you can answer this in, in you can answer these in 5 seconds or, or a minute whatever you see fit more SEC titles SEC East titles the next 10 years Georgia okay. Florida or the field
1: <sighs> you know what i'm going to uh i'm going to invoke the name of our good friend Ari Wasserman and i believe that stars matter and i think Georgia will be able to find a quarterback uh, over time, they'll be fine. Georgia's roster, Florida is not that close. You know, we've seen that this year, you know, that the Florida's got that offense, and Kyle Trask is setting things on fire. But Georgia has a lot more talent. You compare those two rosters, it is not all that close. And I believe that wins out over time, big picture. You can win a game, you can be better than another team that's more talented than you in one season. But I think Georgia is better over the next decade because of the talent and how well they've recruited. Florida has recruited well. Georgia has recruited at an elite top shelf level. I mean, what, top three classes the last four years, I believe, something along those lines. Uh, There just are not very many teams that are recruiting like that, and Florida is not one of them.
2: I I like that answer because I think the conventional wisdom would be Florida – a lot of people just who would look at it and say, yeah, Florida's surging. Dan Mullen, they've got it going on. Georgia's struggling this year. But I like the way you approach it. This is in Alan Taylor's mailbag, kind of mm-hmm. uh, what, what you're talking about. A reader asked, have the recruiting needs been met? And Alan says they probably should have done a, would have liked to do a better job addressing the offensive line. They've got a four-star commitment in several three-star deve- developmental guys on the offensive line in this 2021 class compare that with alabama which landed the nation's top two tackles in georgia which has three top 100 linemen committed so as well as florida's recruiting relative to what it's done in recent years the gap's actually probably getting wider from a talent standpoint
1: yeah and i and i wrote about this too in terms of where tennessee is at in chasing its own fortune and how bad they've been on offense as much as you need a dynamic offense I still think the teams that are winning on the line of scrimmage are going to win on both sides of the ball, and being able to recruit at an elite level, churn out NFL offensive linemen, churn out those big uglies up front, and that that plug up run games, um, and that uh, you know can get after the passer. If you can do those things, you're going to be in good shape. And I think Georgia, on the whole, uh, is just going to be better over the next decade.
2: Okay, so a good answer, a long answer, Well you know wasn't quick hitting, <laughs> but that's what, what that's what you're here for. Next team. Other than Alabama, to win an SEC West title.
1: To win an SEC West title. Oh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Texas A&M. I believe in Jimbo. I always thought that made a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I don't. I, I want to shed the the allegations of recency bias, and I want to say, hey, you know, I cited this on Wednesday's show, but. Our good friend Bud Elliott at 24-7 Sports, I'm a believer in the blue-chip ratio. Mm-hmm. I am not as much of a believer in Ed Orgeron. I think he had the right coordinators at the right time with the right roster and struck gold. But I think in terms of pure infrastructure, I like a and Auburn, you know, Bo Nix, is he ever going to take that next step? I I, I don't know. You know, I, I, and... and Chad Morris, it's not going well in Auburn. You know they're they're talking about coaching searches as much as they're talking about rings right now. So you know you look at that and you stack that up. I think we can rule the rule the Mississippi schools out. Uh, I suppose the adventurous among us might uh, might take a, a stab at Arkansas, but I don't think I buy that. I like the Aggies. Uh, trust in Jimbo and the infrastructure and. Listen, there's only two coaches uh, – well, three coaches in that division that have a national championship ring. We know what Nick Saban can do, but I'm, I'm taking Jimbo uh, over at on there.
2: Good answer. And, by the way, one of my friends who's a listener to the podcast loved your line about Texas A&M fans. You said they have no casual fans.
1: They don't. It's a Well, it's – in the you know, not to get too far into the state of Texas, but Texas is almost exclusively casual fans. A&M – it's there's a and m families and that's what it <laughs> <Yes>. is.
2: <laughs> and one of those uh one of the sons from one of those families is the quarterback at the University of Florida right now, but we've, we've covered go. that before. Okay, this one's pretty easy. Will JT Daniels be the starting quarterback next year at Georgia? Yes.
1: I like what we've okay. seen from him. I was never a Stetson Watt or a Stetson Bennett believer uh really ever. I just think you can watch him and say, "Okay, This feels like a caretaker until you get somebody that, you know, has an NFL future coming in here. You're Georgia. You should be starting an NFL quarterback. You know, you're Georgia. Uh, And they weren't. Not a fan of Dewan Mathis from what I saw. Uh, Apologies to our guy, uh, Seth Emerson. He was selling him hard to me in the the preseason. Uh, I watched him. Not a fan. Now he's not on the roster, in the transfer portal. Uh, So, yeah, uh, I like that uh, JT Daniels there. You know, it's interesting – Tennessee was was in the mix for for JT Daniels a little bit, not as Mm -hmm. heavily. Um, But, you know, he was a a hot commodity when he left USC, and then he's not healthy for a while. He's not doing anything at Georgia. You heard this sort of idea from Tennessee fans. Well, you know, maybe maybe it didn't matter as much as we thought. Well, life comes at you fast. Uh, Tennessee fans (laughs) would kill to have JT Daniels right now. And I think this time next year, you know, he still doesn't look like he's fully healthy, but that arm talent, you know, he can do some things that that a lot of quarterbacks can't do. So yes, uh I don't know that I believe he's going to be at a at a Heisman finalist at any point in his career, but I think he's a guy that can win some some meaningful trophies at Georgia in the future.
2: Okay. Um who will be picked 7th? Okay, let me preface this. Hopefully there is an SEC Media Days next year. Hopefully things are back to normal and and you and all of our other fine writers are Let's hope in- Atlanta or Birmingham, wherever SEC Media Days is going to be, who will be picked last in the SEC West next year? I'm going to go
1: with the uh, the the uh, the pirate ship, which appears to be taking on more and more water these days. Uh, it, uh, I guess this week, uh, Mr. Mike Leach has gone MIA. I think he didn't show up yes. in the teleconference. No Monday press conference, if I'm, or no early week press conference, if I am, uh, if I'm correct. That's very odd, but there's something about that tree you know art browse was kind of like this a little bit uh Dana Holgerson he doesn't really disappear, but you know they don't uh they don't really take the that 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 sort of their uh job. Uh, to be a sort of a, a PR management, it's sort of just like another thing they got to do. And if they got other things they want to do, they take those things more seriously. I remember Art Browse used to be like watching film when he was on the Big Twelve teleconference, and you could hear him like he he went in between questions. You could hear him like ripping somebody. I don't know if you he would have been there, but oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. You hear know, that stuff, and that's I think that that goes along with the with the leech tree. So uh, I think the it just doesn't look like a great situation in Starkville right now
2: okay um good answer that's probably would have been mine as well last question i did have another one but we kind of it was mike leach related so which sec okay i'm I'm gonna amend this one not which sec school where will hugh freeze be coaching in 2023 2023
1: 2023. yes well mitch i may be covering this guy uh mr hugh freeze (laughs) uh Honestly, oh, we're, we're adding a Liberty beat writer. <laughs> yes, we are. Oh. Honestly, I, I do think Tennessee is in his future. If it's not this year, maybe he waits. Maybe we'll see. I, I think you know. It, it seems like South Carolina is not that interested uh, on either side. Um, it Seems like Auburn and Tennessee are the two places that you kind of hear. And whether he waits or whether that happens this year, you know, I, I think Hugh Freeze ends up uh, taking the reins. The biggest thing is even if the leadership at the university is is not real keen on Hugh Freeze, which I've heard is the case, when the fan base wants them so bad, and that fan base is not just message board folks, it's it's boosters as well, they just want to win. And if they believe in him and want him and are willing to put the checks up to pay for him, things like that end up happening. And so I'm going to say Hugh Freeze is at Tennessee in 2023.
2: I I think Tennessee or Auburn. I think it's I think I'd take Tennessee and Auburn over the field. And that mm-hmm. includes, you know, still at Liberty there. So, yeah, so I, this is our their first, I don't know, weekly first annual rapid fire questions with David Auburn. <laughs> I think uh, I I give you an A minus. I think you did a pretty good job. That's good. That's good. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Well, let's look at the rest of this uh, this schedule and, and go down what we, uh, what we were expecting on Saturday. We'll start with the noon game. Mitch, what are you looking for as the Aggies go down to the Plains for really their last kind of serious test uh, of the season?
2: Yeah, I think this, this game is a sort of a statement game for Texas A&M. Earlier in the year, we talked about, and, and I was going to say Auburn's a lot better than South Carolina. even they, they lost to South Carolina, but I think we'd all say Auburn's better than South Carolina. In theory, yes. When, when they went to, to, to Columbia for that game, I kind of looked at it as, okay, A&M, you, you've emerged as one of the best teams in the league. If you are, just go take care of business. Don't Don't screw around. Don't lose this game. Don't make us question y- your status, and they did. They played maybe their best game of the year. I look at this in that regard, too. Auburn is struggling on offense. The same thing that's been plaguing Bo Nix, you know, turnovers, um, just inefficiency on offense. And A&M's defense has been very, very good of late. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I'm watching. Can A&M, now they're in that they're in that title discussion. Or they're in the playoff talk. They see their name up there every week, and they're in all these scenarios. It's, it's going to be difficult for them to make it, but they're being talked about how they want to be talked about as a program. And if that's if that's who you want to be, you go to Auburn and win this game. So it's more of like a statement opportunity. Yeah,
1: I think so. If they can hammer Auburn here, I I, I don't. I'm you know we've talked about this a little bit on the pod the last week or two. I think the idea of style points is a little silly for them, but they got to watch what happens in the ACC. They got to watch what happens to Ohio State, and time will tell. You know they don't control their own fate right now, which is unfortunate for them, but. You know, at the at the, at the same time, you got to take care of business. Um, looking elsewhere at the Barry Odom Bowl, I, you uh, <laughs> stole my line.
2: I was going to ask you your thoughts on the Barry Odom Bowl.
1: The Barry Odom Bowl, uh, intriguing. I think both of these teams are two of the surprises. Um, you know, I was talking to Josh Kendler this week. You know, this game might be for SEC Coach of the Year. I think that's. You know, you win this ball game. Eli Drinkwitz had moved to five and three. Um, you know, Sam Pittman has already done some great things at Arkansas uh, in year one. Certainly better than anyone could have thought when everyone, the, the prevailing wisdom before the season was, oh, this schedule is unbelievable. They're staring down the barrel at 0-10. Not so. Uh, Arkansas looks pretty salty right now. So I do think the winner of this game does win SEC Coach of the Year, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I think, I think this thing's probably a little low-scoring, I think both these defenses will play well, but uh, the Barry Odom Bowl, no doubt, a, uh, a intriguing ball game.
2: You know, next, we got Florida at Tennessee, a game that you'll you've been talking a lot about this week, and a game you will be at. And mm-hmm. I, this is it's not Tennessee Alabama as far as the history, but to me, just when I started really watching SEC football in the '90s and the tooth this is such. Again, it hasn't been an important game in years partly be, mostly because of Tennessee but this game just sounds important every year and I always look forward to watching it uh, Florida's obviously had the upper hand in years and I know Dan Mullen and that that program loves to take it to Tennessee whenever they can and I think Tennessee plays you know you, you cut me off if you need to if you want to but I think <laughs> Tennessee plays pretty well in this game and makes it a little bit more difficult I don't see trash just throwing the ball like sitting on the fourth quarter with his five touchdowns uh, already on his resume I, am, am I crazy yes uh, okay, so
1: so you know uh to give our to give our listeners a little bit of insight into the show, throughout this episode I've been wrestling with my dog who turned one today he He has been pestering me <laughs> constantly, and this is what Tennessee's defense is gonna have to deal with with Kyle Pitts on Saturday because every single play, They're going to be looking for him. And Tennessee, this is their greatest weakness, covering people over the middle of the field, and he is a a terrible mismatch for them. He's too big for their corners. He's too big for their... uh, They like to play a uh, star, kind of a slot corner spot. They don't have anybody who can check him there. And their linebackers have been awful in coverage all year. Jeremy Banks and Quiveris Crouch have struggled constantly. Henry Toloto can be good, but he's much better as a tackler and run support. He's not great in coverage. This has the, the a recipe for a 180-something-yard day for Kyle Pitts. You know, more than one touchdown. I just think Florida's going to move the ball up and down the field very, very easily, even against Florida's uh, defense. Uh, we'll see what Tennessee can do. I think we're going to see Harrison Bailey probably start. Um, but this is this is not a good situation. The only scenario in which Tennessee keeps this close is if Harrison Bailey is – you know the next trevor lawrence and just sets everything on fire which maybe but we haven't really seen enough to believe that right now
2: yeah i would be interested to see what tennessee's running game can do against florida um and if they go up tempo I and mean, that's been the theme i i edit alan taylor our florida writer and every time he has a mailbag half the questions are about firing todd Grantham. you know they're <laughs> they're in the Grantham, midst of a, they say <laughs> yeah yeah they're in the midst of a playoff run but they they have had i mean when i've watched florida this year that has been a problem when teams go hurry up they have trouble getting lined up and they've they've the players admit it. They're looking all over the place, and there's been some some matchup problems there. So that will be interesting to watch. We got Vanderbilt at Georgia. The lines in the 30s. Uh, Vanderbilt is is. Depleted. Mitch, is Sarah for
1: going to get a chance to score some points this week? Uh, well,
2: that's the funny thing. I mean, like, and that, <laughs> that, honestly, that's, you know, you might have talked about this. That's one of the reasons Derek Mason got fired. That game was on – that game put Vanderbilt on a national platform, and they had their worst game of the year. Yes. Because this was an offense that had gone over 400 yards in four straight games. Yeah. They, they were had, doing they, some it good It looked things. like
1: they'd kind of turned a corner. I I was surprised to see how bad they were because Missouri – listen, Missouri's got a pretty good defense, but they're not they're not great and that right. you can't even get in position to kick a football, goodness gracious. Like, right. come on now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and I think uh, Vanderbilt was the only team in the nation on Saturday that did not attempt an extra point or a field goal. <laughs> I looked that up. So, I mean, that's just, hard the, the, to do. Yeah, just the, the with the whole situation there. So um, I think Riley Gay, who kicked last year, who was – he's in medical school um, at Vanderbilt. Uh, they, they got him off the uh, operating table, and he will be – uh, in uniform, I think he will be kicked. Not saying Sarah Fuller won't kick at all, but Riley Gay will be there. But, yeah, this is this is always – you know, Derek Mason's team, what, 2016, went down in, in Kirby Smart's first year and beat Georgia, and that was one of the big wins. But other than that, it's been a very, very difficult matchup. You know, Georgia's a difficult matchup for both most teams, but the way they, are, they control the line of scrimmage. Vanderbilt just never has an answer for him, and it's mm-hmm. just – Five yards are run, seven yards, nine yards, play action, 20 yeah. yards. It's just they, they've had the, a field day against Vanderbilt, and the defense has been really bad of late. So, yeah, Georgia At, will roll.
1: Elsewhere in the SEC East, oh, I don't find South Carolina, Kentucky all that, all that uh, uh, interesting. Am I the only one? Give me a reason to watch this game, yeah. Mitch. Uh,
2: Luke Doty? You like <laughs> true freshman quarterbacks? I, I'm, you know – bite your tongue like think back to mid August David and if you would have said there's an SEC game on the schedule this Saturday and you're not interested in it you would have you know fair point but i i agree we've seen a whole season South Carolina is now Shy Smith is had a concussion he missed last week's yeah. game it, without with him they are lacking offensive playmakers they're lacking speed in fact did you see Mike Bobo's comments uh, Josh Kendall had in his story I love interim coaches who don't give a you-know-what because yeah. they'll just say anything. <laughs> and they asked Bobo after the game, you know, what, what do you see from this program? What, what needs to happen? He just said there's a lack of speed at mm-hmm. the skill positions. There's an overall lack of speed. I've I would agree. Davis. Watching South Carolina, yeah.
1: that's a that's a fair assessment. Right.
2: right. Kevin Harris is a nice running back. He's going to have 1,000 yards. You can – in Marshawn Lloyd, their best freshman got hurt. But at the wide receiver position and Shy Smith's leaving after this year, they need some answers there. So, in Kentucky is – Kentucky, for their last five games, they've had 10 points or less uh, offensively. Both these teams are kind of limping to the finish line. So I agree, not, not, nothing too exciting with this one.
1: We'll finish up with uh, from the game of the century to the uh, my how the mighty have fallen
2: bowl. <laughs> I still think Alabama's pretty good.
1: They might be. We'll see. But <laughs> LSU from defending national champions to defending not really much at this point. Uh, I, I, you know, this feels like a brace for impact game like a Florida-Tennessee. Bo Pelini versus this offense. Oh. I, buckle I, up, I think this buckle is up one... Tiger fans. This is not going to go well for you.
2: I think this is one of those where LSU comes out, you know, Coach O gets them fired up, pregame speech. We're still LSU. <laughs> yeah. They come fired up, fire. They come out of the locker room fired up, and then it's fourteen nothing, five minutes into the game. That and sounds about around, right. And we're like, what? what you know, touchdown, what can we three do? and out, touchdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just LSU's de- if they'd been. They, I just don't see them having an answer defensively, and that's not really Earth Shattering commentary there. But Alabama, this Alabama team, and I was just playing with some numbers earlier. They're averaging seven point nine yards six per play yards per play. That's the highest of the Saban era. Forty eight point five points per game in league games for reference. That's more than LSU last year. LSU averaged mm-hmm. forty six points per game in, in league games. Alabama's at forty eight five. No Tua, no problem. This offense is just rolling with your boy Mac Jones. And
1: I think too. Without Miles, Miles Brandon gave LSU kind of a fighting chance early in the start of the season. Even when the defense was struggling, he was good enough to move the ball down the field. They haven't had that since. And when you can't move the ball against Alabama, who, by the way, is playing some pretty dang good defense the last three or four weeks, they look a lot more like an Alabama defense that we know and love than they did, you know, the first month of the season. Um, When you can't move the ball consistently and you just keep giving the ball back to Alabama... These things can get ugly in a hurry. To say nothing of the prospect of turnovers as well. I mean, this is this is name your number type territory. It feels like.
2: And there's nothing more than nothing that like a team like Alabama and their players. They all all these guys were recruited by both schools. There's a lot of familiarity. Yeah. They they, they want to. They want to be at forty-one nothing at the half. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's respect, I'm sure, between the coaching staffs, but there's there's also the desire to embarrass the other team.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Mitch, before we go, you know, you live in Nashville. You worked at the as the Vanderbilt sideline radio reporter. They're looking for a coach right now. How do you see this sort of playing out over the next few weeks?
2: Well, I think few weeks is the way to put it because I think they want to wrap this up relatively quickly. Um, the athletic director, Candice Lee Story, called all of the commitments uh, on Sunday, the day Derek Mason was dismissed, and kind of assured them that they'll have a coach soon, but that their spots are still there. Um, I-, I think I take the Jamie Chadwell, Clark Lee, Will Healy over the field, and maybe that's not you know the the too much insight there, but I, I- my guess it's one of those three guys. Mm-hmm um clark lee's an interesting one defensive coordinator from nashville played was a walk-on fullback at vanderbilt a lot of people i talk to like love the fact of bringing back a a nashville guy and a vanderbilt alum but they're skittish because his resume looks like Derek mason Mm -hmm. defensive coordinator from a quote-unquote smart school i don't think that's fair to clark lee you know he's a different guy obviously it's a different different era different school um, the the thing with him is obviously no head coaching experience, and that was kind of when Derek Mason came in with a really good looking resume, but he wasn't a head coach, and it kind of showed early in his tenure that he did not have that experience there. So, I, I kind of like Healy or Chadwell, both young, innovative offenses, especially Chadwell, mm-hmm. the way he his the divi- the diversity of his offense. They run some option stuff, but they also will throw the ball. Will Healy, his uncle, was an All American uh, offensive tackle at Vanderbilt. From the state, great recruiter, a lot of enthusiasm there. So I think there's a really good-looking pool of candidates. You know, some years when you're uh, you're making a coaching change, you look around, you're like you're not, you're not overly excited about the pool of candidates. I think Vanderbilt's in a great situation because I think that even if you go beyond that, like a Lance Leopold or Willie Fritz or whatever, there's Sean Lewis. I mm-hmm. think there's a really good good group of guys out there. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: it would be interesting. I I talked a little bit on Wednesday about how I think they should go triple option. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of guys catching that. Uh, uh, catching that that sort of fever, but that's where I'd go if I was Vandy. Um,
2: Paul Johnson, 51-37 and 37 in the ACC with four division titles in 11 years, 500 in the ACC all but one year. Just saying, just saying, be the that, curveball. I see, I've, do, I've done my research because I do a lot of <laughs> radio interviews, so if yeah. people are saying, oh, the option can't work, well, you know, they say, what's well, the SEC? You know, the SEC's better than the ACC, but it's not – that much better that if it works in the ACC it can't work so I, I'm of I love the option I love watching option football I'm of the mindset just get a good coach and and you know run a, run a fun entertaining offense but um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked wouldn't be against an option quarterback either an option offense either
1: well as I always say be the curveball you want to see in the world Mitch <laughs> well thank you guys for listening thank you for tuning in if you haven't subscribed to the show already you should change that you can do that on any podcast purveyor of choice and have our show delivered every weekday to your device if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic you can change that at theathletic.com slash grits, get access to everything that we've got from our college football team our team of SEC riders, and every other sport, uh, whatever you're interested in, we've got fantasy sports motorsports, all that stuff, boxing, MMA anything you could want, we've got you covered, so thank you for tuning in thank you for listening, we'll see you again later this week